really w w warm welcome to you all. Uh, my name is Pastor Nick, uh, and this is Paula, who is our Head of Stewardship uh, in our church. Uh, and over the last four weeks, we've done a series uh, looking at uh, effectively all the areas of tithing and giving and finance and generosity and use of our resources and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, just give us a quick... Recap, where, where have we yeah, been so we, far, Paula? We, we've had a fantastic time of just sort of laying the, the, the groundwork, really, uh, the foundation to build upon, putting God first, the, the very things that can cause us problems along the way, the distractions, the temptations, the, the things that we have to navigate. And then with the last week, we were looking at multiplication, and today, focusing on developing a generous heart like our Father. So I'm going to open, uh, we're going to share the message today and we're going to kind of bounce between us, uh, each of us, uh, uh, the, the content that we'd like to bring. And I'm going to open this morning with a little bit of a story about generosity. Uh, something that I'm increasingly doing is building relationships with other churches who are kind of in the space that BCC is in. And uh, this Thursday, Chloe and I went up to Ivy Church in Manchester. And uh, can I just say on the Thursday, it was kind of drizzling and kind of cool on the M6. And that was such a relief after the Monday and the Tuesday. Amen. Yeah, I was actually quite grateful for it. Um, so we traveled up to Manchester. We uh, met with the guys at Ivy Church. And a couple of things to do with generosity jumped out at me. Um, way back in the 1890s, 1900 or so, their founding pastor... Um, formed a legacy. He bought some property, he invested in some money, uh, invested some bonds, um, and he, he kind of set up a, a savings scheme uh, that they, this church didn't find out about until quite recently. Uh, and when they found out about it, they approached the charity commission and said, well, is that legally our money? And they said, well, yeah, it is. Um, and um, you can take this money, and it's half a million pounds. Now, they uh, sent me, when Chloe and I went up there, we went to their, one of their sites that they've just put up, which is like a kind of, it's like a kind of, um, sort of, almost like a pavilion, but on a sports field overlooking a cricket pitch and a lacrosse pitch. And the way they'd set it up was it was just beautifully done. It was well kitted out. They meet in there for worship on a Sunday, uh, but people use it during the week. And of course, there's a crossover with these sports clubs and so on. Just a great use of that finance uh, to bless the city and to provide a place of, uh, you know, uh, restoration and sport and so on and so on. And they're mixing with lots of different members of their community as a result of this very visionary pastor's generous mindset to them. Uh, so I was really struck by that. Um, uh, and then the second thing that happened was during lunch, uh, their senior pastor, Anthony Delaney, uh, said that they started something very similar to our uh, annual December giveaway that uh, kind of Paola's pioneered. Uh, and I think the first date we started, that was 2013, wasn't it, Paola? Yeah, December yeah, 2013. Yeah, some, somewhere around there, which was basically every December, those of you who, who know BCC and you've been around a while, the first 10 days of December, we build up all the offerings, all the gifts, and we just give it all away to good causes, you know, Christian missions, uh, efforts in the city for reaching out to homeless people, all those kinds of things. And we've been doing that for a long time now. Well, it's what, 2022, so that's nine years. We've been doing that. Uh, now, they do something similar, I found out. They have a thing where they kind of narrow in the focus before Christmas, and they help people not overspend at Christmas, which we all struggle with, don't we? And then in January, they have this thing called First Fruits Offering. And they, they explained to me that in about the second or third year of the First Fruits Offering, they were able to give away £28,000. And then not long after that, they got contacted by that organization called Just Giving. Have you ever heard of Just Giving? It's an opportunity where you can go online, you can set up a good cause, people can donate to your cause. Really, really great initiative. But the people at Just Giving contacted them out of the blue um, and said, uh, by the way, Ivy Church, uh, did you know that there's some money we owe you? And they were like, 
well, we don't know anything about this money. We don't know who's put that money there, but thank you very much. How much is it? Uh, and Just Giving said it's £28,000. And they were like, wow, that is really weird. You know, we've given away this money. Uh, we're being generous, but God is somehow being generous back to us. Now, those were just two testimonies from a visit to a church literally this Thursday uh, that have really blessed me because they're stories of generosity. Um, and we're in, we're in week four of our series, and we're, at, we're basically going to explore generosity with you this morning. So, Paula, do you want to tell us a little bit about generosity? Yeah, Go for sure. it. One of the... Um things that I've noticed is that we tend to use the word giving and generosity in exactly the same way, but their definitions are quite different. So giving is an act. It's something that we do. There's an action to it. You know, I might give somebody a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, or we can give financial gifts. We can give um, help. We can give friendship. Um, There are lots of things that we can physically give. But generosity, in contrast, is not about the actual action. It's more about the mindset and the attitude behind it. So um, if anybody speaks Greek in the room, I'm going to apologize right now because my pronunciation is probably not going to be great. But the, uh, the Greek word in the New Testament is eumetadados. And it means to give from a liberal attitude that is ready to share out. So it's all about this attitude of being open-hearted and wanting to share and being liberal with that. A few points before we get into our main section in 2 Corinthians. Um, I I want to start with a question. Why should we be generous? Well, we have an incredible heavenly father, don't we? Incredible. The example that he sets to us, the extravagance of his love for us. And when I first sort of started my journey into stewardship and generosity, probably about 10 years ago now, and started to study, the reality of John 3.16 hit me hard. It was probably the memory verse that I, the first verse that I memorized as a child. Um, And many people know it, even non-believers can quote John 3.16, but the reality of it caused me to burst into tears because in that moment I understood just how much God had done and had given for me, how much he cared and loved me and how much he cares and loves for each one of you too. That he would, despite all my wrongdoings, despite the things that I might not get right, that have been and will be, that he still loves me enough to say, I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my one, my only, my precious, precious son who's going to shed his blood for you to redeem you once and for all. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, the reality of that. So God is so extravagant, and he sets that example for us. He wants us to bless others. In Acts 20, 35, it says, In everything I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I know that I often focus on the recipient of a gift when we talk about generosity. But God is saying here, yes, of course, the recipient gets blessed. But the person who gives to the recipient is more blessed. Think about that. Because sometimes we struggle with generosity. But God says you'll be more blessed than the person receiving it. God wants us to reciprocate 
what he does. He wants us to follow his example. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Generosity is always centered, comes from, rooted in love. God loved so much that he gave. You can give without loving, but I don't think it's possible to love and not give. The second point is that generosity brings us, um, brings into focus that which really matters, i.e. the kingdom of God. We looked in week two at Matthew 6, 19 and 20, where God tells us not to store up for ourselves here on earth treasure. Don't just be concentrating on accumulating everything here. I want you to think about eternity. I want you to store treasure in heaven because eternity is what matters. Lives of people is what matters. And he wants us to take the resources that he entrusts to us and to have a kingdom focus, to be thinking beyond ourselves, to not let that which is temporary, that which will pass away, that which will disappear, break down, get stolen. Don't let that rob you of the freedom that can come, the spiritual growth that can occur when you begin to focus your attention on eternity. And third point is that generosity brings freedom. And again, in Matthew 6, 24, we hear these really strong words from Jesus. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the thing with generosity is that as we begin to focus our attention on God, on his purposes, on the things that he wants us to do, and we begin to express that and we begin to follow his example, what we do is we walk away from the influence of mammon. It begins to bring freedom into our lives. When we operate freely under his principles, we see a change and see benefit and provision and blessing over our lives. We're going to take a deep look now into 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, a few verses at a time. And Pastor Nick, you're going to start this section off, aren't you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, if you'd like to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, um, you can also use, you know, do, do that on your devices. Um, on the Version app, if you jump in there uh, and look at events, and then you'll find Birmingham City Church is live there. We've put the headings and the, the verse references on there, and you can follow those along. Now, don't be dismayed in this quite warm day at the number of headings. We're going to whistle-stop tour through some of these um, at a decent pace, uh, but we want to bring you some headlines around generosity. We want you to kind of pick up on the, on the on the, on the gist of it, um, and we're going to kind of paint some broad picture, uh, you know, with big broad brush and get the picture out there and, and uh, so that you get a feel for uh, generosity. So the first one, uh, we'll go through each of these points. Generosity is unrelated to income and wealth. It might surprise you to hear that, but actually generosity has got nothing to do with income and wealth. You know, we look sometimes at wealthy people and we kind of automatically assume they might be generous, but actually th- there's no relation there. Sometimes the people who have absolutely nothing are the people who can be the most generous. Um, I often think of that story where Jesus points out to the disciples the woman who's got just the two coins and, she, and they're the last thing that she has left, and she puts them in the offering 
uh, in the synagogue that, sun, that, that Saturday, I guess, on the Sabbath day. Um, and he says to the disciples, her offering is more generous than anyone else's because it represented everything. It represented the whole lot of what she had. Uh, and I often think, find myself thinking, I'd love to know the backstory on that lady and what happened to her later in her day or in her week. What did Jesus do for her? That would just be an awesome thing to find out. I'm sure that he sorted her out and saw her good because of her generosity. We don't know that, but I'm sure we'll find out in heaven one day. Um, the first principle is generosity is unrelated to income and wealth. Second uh, principle is that generosity, oh, in fact, sorry, let me just read you the verse. I missed the verse there, racing ahead. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8.2 says this, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. Uh, and that's the Macedonians. You know, they're in a really tight place financially, and yet it doesn't stop them from ge being generous. They have a generous heart attitude. Uh, second one, generosity is never forced. Second Corinthians 8, next verse, verse 3, I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, uh, of their own accord, they gave of their own accord. And that's the key, the key words there, uh, that they're bringing up, they are producing this idea. It's, it comes from them. It's not something that's forced upon them by another authority, by God or by someone else. Uh, they're bringing it up and they're, they're, it comes from within, within them. That's, they're, they're volunteering it. Um, uh, many years ago, uh, my, uh, my mum and dad had some friends uh, who came round to visit quite often actually. Uh, this was out in Zimbabwe and um, th th this, fa this family, uh, they, they also had a boy uh, who was a little bit older than me. He was called Will. And I remember a couple of times my mum saying, now I need you to share your toys with Will when he comes round. And, uh, and I was a little uneasy about doing that because Will was a little bit rougher than I was uh, and uh, I was a little unhappy. And I remember one particular time my nan had got me this plastic football and my mum had said, yeah, go and you know, share your football with Will and let's you know, go and have a kick about. And Will, with his great big clobbery boots, managed to pop my football. I was like, so cross. And it was like, I was obliged to have to be generous, and now you've popped my football, Will. You know, and so when he came round, I was also a little hesitant about what was going to happen. Um, the generosity in view here in Macedo uh, from the Macedonians is totally the opposite. There is no obligation. There's no big authority saying to you, you must. It comes from within. It's something you do of your own accord, from your own free will. Really important that you understand that that's intrinsically linked to the idea of generosity. Uh, one more point, and then I'm going to uh, pass back to Paula. Uh, generosity cannot be contained. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8.4, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. So not only were the Macedonians really hard up, not only were they really, really generous, they actually begged to be generous. Uh, they, they said, please, would you help us, uh, you know, would you let us serve you in this, in this matter? Uh, can we be generous to you? Please let us do this. And I love that heart attitude. Uh, and what that says to me is that generosity is an uncontainable thing. When it gets going, generosity is irresistible. Uh, and when I was preparing my message, I was thinking, uh, how can I illustrate this? And I think the illustration that first popped into my mind was this, I, what happens, basically is what happens when you make popcorn. You know, you get those little seeds and you either put them in the pan and put the lid on or you get the, the seeds in, you know, in the, the, the paper bag, isn't it? it? Kind of you fold it and you put it in the microwave and that heat turns those seeds into, into popcorn, doesn't it? And as that process is going along, there is nothing that's going to stop those seeds from just going and, and bursting open and being like so much bigger. 
And that's kind of like a, an illustration that you can see and feel of the nature of generosity. When we get into the generosity thing, um, it's like seeds that go pop and become popcorn. You cannot stop it. It's irresistible. Uh, I just want you to kind of feel that a little bit in your spirit. Paula, carry on. In chapter 8 and verse 5, we see that generosity is always focused firstly towards God. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also. We hear that the church were going through an incredible trial. Times were difficult. And yet they had this welling up within them of a desire to be generous and an act of giving but how can that happen? Because that is so countercultural. That is not considered to be normal response to going through a very difficult time. We are told, no, let's just batten down the hatches. Let's look after ourselves. Um, times are difficult. We need to concentrate on our own unit, our own family at this time. The only way that that is possible is when you have a group of people who can say, well, first of all, we're going to choose to honor God. We're going to put him first and foremost in the middle of every situation. Our situation does not determine our heart towards God. Our generosity towards God, our love towards God is not dependent on how bad a day I'm having. And so it's so important that we see that God has to be first and center for us to be able to honor him in this way. Then in chapter 8 verse 8, we see that generosity is a tangible evidence of our love for God. I'm not commanding you, but want to test the sincerity of your love. We're not being forced by God to do anything. But as I said earlier, I don't think it's possible to love someone and not give to that person. It just wells up in you when you love somebody to do that. And so our giving towards God, our generosity to things that matter to God are a direct response to our love for him. And then in chapter 8, verse 14, generous people meet needs. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. He who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Imagine us as a big church family and we have got to a place in our mindsets and attitudes whereby I know that if I see a need, I'm not going to think twice about going to meet that need and that when I am in that situation where I have need, that I know somebody here will spot that and come and meet my need too. Again, it's very countercultural. And it is something that only happens when we embrace and understand our positions, not as owners of everything that is in our hands, but that we acknowledge that it belongs to God and that our responsibility is to manage it. We manage it well according to how God wants us to manage it, that we're thinking about the things that are important to him. How can I affect somebody's life for good? make a positive change and impact God's kingdom. Let's take a look at um, the next section now, um, Nick, with chapter 8 and verse 19. Yeah, 2 Corinthians eight nineteen says this, and not only that, uh, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany, accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administering 
for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. Um, and the, and the, the kind of title there or the phrase there is gener generosity honors the Lord. It really does honor God. Uh, the phrase in there for the glory of the Lord is, is the thing that jumps out there. Um, when you're generous, you honor God. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, let me share a brief story with you. Uh, at the back end of Bible College, um, we, we spent a bit of time in the Elam Church in Warrington on a Sunday. And so we would travel up from Nantwich in Cheshire up to Warrington and be part of their service. And the pastor there, uh, a guy called Darren, very kind and wonderful pastor, he, he basically connected us with a whole sequence of families for Sunday lunch after the service. Very kind of him. Uh, and, and lovely for us to receive. Um, and then one particular Sunday lunch, we went out with a businesswoman and her husband and their family, and we went to a pretty posh pub somewhere in Cheshire. And the reason I know it was posh was because that footballer, Stephen Gerrard, turned up with his wife. And uh, they were sitting on another table. Uh, George was five at the time and running around the restaurant, and I had to go and kind of get him from... Stephen Gerrard's table and bring him back. You can't go running over there. They're having their lunch. Uh, so we, we kind of had this thing. But during the lunch, um, this businesswoman pushed a fat envelope across the table to us. And she's quite a strong character. And she said, I'm ordering you to take a holiday because I know that you're not very well off going through Bible college and you're not going to be earning an awful lot as a pastor. And I'm, I'm telling you, this money is for a holiday. And we were like, wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much. And um, so I, I kind of put the, the fat envelope in my pocket, and uh, we ca carried on having lunch. And I went out, I went out to the loo, and um, can I say I fell into temptation, and, and I kind of just teased open the, the end of the envelope, and there were 20s, you know, 20 pound notes in there. And they were like stacked in there. I was like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of money in here. And then the really scary thing was that he, the guy who in the relationship, you know, the, the marriage, he came into the loo behind me and I quickly stuffed it back in my pocket. You know, I was like, oh, I uh, didn't want to be seen, you know, checking out the generosity. And then when we got in the car afterwards, um, I just said to Chloe, uh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. Just look, at, look straight ahead and don't have any reactions. We'll just drive for a bit, and then we'll have a look when they've gone. Yeah, kind of thing. It was like, do not, do not have a reaction. Um, and then, sure enough, we paused after they'd gone, and uh, we opened it, and they'd given us two grand. They'd given us two thousand pounds, and that generosity was stunning, absolutely stunning. Now she said something in the in the dialogue to us. She said, "I'm doing this for the glory of God. I want to honour you." And I want to bless you. And I love the fact that you're stepping out in faith and going to Bible college and completely changing your life and taking your family with you. But I know that you're going to put holidays last. And we want you to have a holiday. And sure enough, we saved and we were very careful with that money. And we went on an amazing holiday to the States. And we met up with a pastor. Uh, that I, and then there was a whole lot of God's things that came out of that as well, which was just great. But that's for another time. So generosity really honors the Lord. Uh, so that's a really important point. Uh, let's move on. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7. Uh, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, uh, like I did with Will. Um, but since God loves a cheerful giver, lo God loves a cheerful giver. Um, you know, I think generosity and reluctance are like chalk and cheese, aren't they? They're total opposites. I think when, when you can also feel it off someone when they're being generous, but there's a kind of an edge of like they're not sure about being cheerful about it. You kind of you feel a little bit beholden. You can sense it. It's subtle, but it can be there. And we've got to drop that. We've got to be really cheerful uh, in our giving. Um, Chloe and I were fortunate enough to be invited to uh, a, a wedding of a friend of hers, uh, Naomi and Sanjay uh, Raju, uh, and they invited us out to Sri Lanka. Um, uh, this was in the early 90s, I think. And um, uh, they said to us, listen, if you can get the airfare there, 
then we'll put you up and uh, you can be part of our wedding uh, celebrations. And so we found the money uh, and we went to Sri Lanka. Uh, this was back in the day when I was earning a decent salary, by the way, before I changed, become a pastor. So that, hence the money thing there. Um, so we went out to Sri Lanka and uh, they were so, so generous to us. They put us up in a house in the hills outside Kandy, which is the, one of the towns up in the mountains in, uh, in Sri Lanka. Um, they, were, they just blessed us loads. And then the, the wedding festival itself, um, they had a wonderful wedding. And then the, the, the kind of the banquet afterwards was just ridiculously lavish. But there was no sense of, oh, well, you can only have one piece of cake and one pickled onion and one glass. I mean, it wasn't like that. They were just so cheerful and so generous to us. It bowled us over. Have you ever experienced that kind of generosity when someone's just really, really blessed you and it's hit you here? It was like that. Um, God loves a generous giver. And real generosity is expressed cheerfully. Last point that I'm going to bring before I hand back to Paula again. Uh, Generosity is personal between us and God. It's personal between us and God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion since God loves a cheerful giver. It's each person needs to do as they've decided in their heart. One more story to share with you. Um, I think God works in incredibly specific and personal ways in the area of generosity. I think this is how it works. Uh, You get an impression from the Holy Spirit that you need to be generous to, to someone in a specific way. And then if you follow up on that, that then results in some kind of a meeting or an interaction in which that generosity gets expressed. And then that person receives that generosity again in a very specific way. That's how God does this. Let me share a story with you. So we um, were in Letchworth Garden City Church around about 2010, something like that. So I'd been two years out of Bible college. I was doing my ministering training. And a couple in the church in Letchworth Garden City uh, said to us, uh, we've got a, a bit of an unusual gift to give you. And we need you to come back to uh, our house after church uh, with us. And so we went along and uh, they, they wanted to give us their trailer tent. Now, for those of you who've never heard what a trailer tent is, it's, it's a trailer that folds out and it's kind of got a tent on top of it. So it sort of works a bit like a caravan, except it doesn't have the height of a caravan and you can fold it away and tow it behind you on holiday. And, and Chloe and I were standing in their drive, weren't we? And we were just like, a trailer tent? Wow, okay. I mean, that's just an amazing gift. I'd never have dreamed that I'd get a trailer tent in my whole life, but here you are, wanting to be generous. It, I mean, it was, a, it was a great thing, but it was a strange thing and it was a quirky thing. But it was a very specific thing that God had laid on their hearts, no, be generous in this specific way to this specific couple. Uh, And so we took the trailer tent away, and actually it led to, well, I would say over a decade of family camping holidays on a shoestring. Really low-budget holidays that were great fun. Well, I don't, you might need to speak to my boys about whether they were great fun or not. I don't know. But from my point of view, we saved an awful lot of money. Um, and uh, we had great holidays in this trailer tent. And actually, we've gone on to replace that trailer tent and get a different one and so on. Because it's just set us up for a, a wonderful way to have holidays. Generosity is very specific, and it's through personal relationship. Thanks, Paula. God provides the gift for the generous to give. Chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, verse 10 and 11 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. So it's important to remember that it is God who supplies the seed. We can fall into that trap of thinking, well, I work hard. I earn my salary, but God is the one that gives us the ability to produce wealth. He's the one that gives us everything 
that we have our knowledge, our experience that enables us to do what we do. And we need to remember where that seed comes from. But an important thing is that he says that he will increase the seed. Why is he going to increase the seed? It is for a specific reason. It is not just because he wants us to become more and more wealthy. Not that there is a a problem with being wealthy. I just want to say that there isn't at all. But he increases seed because he wants us to keep sowing seed. Every time we sow seed, something happens in the kingdom of God. We don't always see what happens. We don't always see the life that's impacted. But he wants to see whether or not we are faithful in sowing what he has given us. If we're faithful in sowing what he's given us, he wants to increase that so that we can be faithful in sowing more seed. He wants to partner with us in this. He gets to minister to people directly, but he also gets to minister to people through us so that we can show love and concern, help, support to others and show God's love to them. I remember um, it was about six or seven years ago, um, we embarked on this journey of developing generosity as a couple together and Danny, my husband, had got a new job. And with that new job came an increase in salary. And, you know, your first thought is, oh, great, yeah, that's really good. And then I had this pang of guilt. Because we were okay with the salary that he had before. We weren't struggling. And I felt guilty because I knew that there were so many people who could have really done with an increase in what they had. And God had to remind me of this. He said, you've embarked on this journey with my prompting. You've shown your faithfulness and obedience to me in doing what I've asked. I've put opportunities before you and you've done them and you've been faithful in them. And now I'm increasing the seed. Not because I want you to have bigger and better things, but because I want you to do bigger and better things for me. And we made a decision that day to keep our lifestyle exactly the same. But now we had more seed and we could be more effective for God's kingdom, however he chose to lead us. And then the final verse for today, chapter 9, verse 11 to 13. Expressed generosity moves people closer to God. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity. Our generosity absolutely has an impact, not just on a recipient, but on a donor too. I shared two weeks ago how God had presented an opportunity before us to give a financial gift to a family who did not know him, who weren't Christians. And when they received that gift, 
they went about telling their friends and colleagues at work what God had done for them. You've heard stories and testimonies from Pastor Nick today of him being on the receiving end of generosity. And just sharing that with us today makes us thankful to God and engages us with God. And our generosity will do that. And we don't always see it, but it should never be something that stops us from doing it just because we don't see it. As a giver in a situation, the the example that I shared two weeks ago, when I made that phone call to say to this person, I want to help your family, they were in pieces on the other end of the phone sobbing because they couldn't believe that somebody would care enough to do that. And I was sobbing on the other end of the phone and it was something I hadn't experienced before because, again, it's not normal to give your money away to strangers. But God had done something in my heart. And I began to experience what it felt like to be a joyful, cheerful giver. Because I'd made a decision, I'm going to align my heart as best as I can with God. I'm going to care about the things that God cares about. And if he leads me to do something and minister to somebody, I want to do that. And I began to feel such a privilege the joy and privilege of sharing in this process with God, partnering with him, no reluctance, nobody was forcing me to do it, nobody knew I was doing it. It changes you and it transforms other people's lives too. And I just invite the worship team to come back and join us. We've taken you on a deliberate journey these last four weeks. We've been very intentional about the order in which we have presented the themes to you because it is absolutely crucial that we get the foundation right to build upon, that God has to be first and centre of everything that we do, including our resources and finances and how he blesses us, that we have to return to him and we have to honour him in that way, that he gives us the strength, he gives us wisdom, he gives us his word to coach us through those uncertain times when we've got lots of voices and lots of influences around us that are saying, no, you need to do things differently. You need to just take care of yourself and not think about other people. And last week and today, we've been looking at multiplication and generosity. And I want to encourage you to get the foundations in place first. As Christians, we want and are uh, drawn to generosity. It makes us feel great. We can see the benefit that it has. But sometimes we are just not set up properly to cope with this. And we have to get our finances in a place that we understand we're managing them the way that God wants us to. That we're creating space and not just consuming everything. That we're developing this mindset that says, God, I want to do things for you. I want you to provide opportunity for me to minister to somebody, to be a vessel that you can flow through. And so generosity is something that we have to work towards, that we have that desire, but we put things in place leading up to that. He's looking to see how faithful we are with what he's entrusted to us. Am I tempted all of the time to keep putting that ownership uh, hat back on my head and saying, no, this is mine and I'm going to decide? Or am I going to be like the church here described, that I will freely and liberally 
share what I have because I know it's not mine anyway and that God wants to use me in that way. I want to invite you to stand because we're going to worship him again in a few moments and during this time, just take an opportunity to say, God, speak to me. What is it that you want me to do? Maybe God's prompting you to develop this generosity muscle because it is a muscle that we have to practice. Maybe you're trying to get step ahead of yourself and it's time to say no God I need to put you first and lay that foundation get my finances in order because I know that a goal is to work towards generosity so as we worship him allow allow him to speak to you allow him to guide you determine that you are going to develop this part of your personal discipleship so that you can experience the freedom that he brings spiritually financially, emotionally, but more than anything, so that we can be more and more like our extravagant, loving, heavenly Father. Let's worship him.